exclusive podcast from Impact 89 FM. WDBM East Lansing. Welcome to Impact Exposure. Exposure is 88.9 The Impact's one-hour forum discussing relevant issues affecting the MSU community. And now, tonight's Exposure. This is the Impact Exposure. Uh, thanks for joining us yet again. Uh, tonight we've got a great show lined up for you. In a little bit we'll be speaking with some representatives from uh, Community. That's the uh, diversity group uh, in the uh, communication school, formerly, formerly known as Alana, if that sounds familiar. Uh, a little, and then after that, of course, we'll be speaking with uh, representatives from uh, the Women's Leadership Conference. Uh, they're putting on, well, excuse me, they're from the Women's Initiative for Leadership Development. They're putting on the Women's Leadership Conference. Uh, some pretty exciting stuff there, but uh, before we get to any of that, I'm sitting here with uh, Jesse and Sarah from from the uh, School of Hospitality. Uh, they're t- here to talk about the Business Career Expo. Uh, thanks a lot for joining us. Thank you. Hi, thank you. Certainly. So now go ahead and tell us what the uh, Career Expo is all about. Well, Career Expo is an annual event this year. We're celebrating our 29th year, and we have companies from all over the United States um, here to represent um, the hospitality school and to give out internships and permanent positions. Wow, cool. Now, so what, how, how, many, how many companies are we looking at? Right now, we have 78 companies coming to Expo. Wow, wow. And, and what kind of company? And people, are these ones people get, would recognize? Or? Um, yeah, pretty big companies. We have the Waldorf Astoria in New York City. Um, let's see. The Ritz-Carlton. We have Ecolab, um, Airmark, Micros, Vale Resorts in Colorado. Yeah, Marriott, um, MGM Grand Mirage, the Venetian in Vegas. Wow. Some pretty big uh Pretty big companies coming. Yeah, the big and name hotels. Exactly, and they offer internships and permanent positions not only in the United States but all over the world as well. Very so. cool. So you could so you could even place in somewhere you know exotic. Yeah, exactly. Very cool. So now is this only uh, you know hotels that people can can expect to see, or is it uh, com- other companies as well? Um, it's hotels, restaurants, casinos, private clubs. Um, we have like Ecolab is a you know a san- like a sanitation company. So hmm. we have all sorts of places. Everything from you know, running the hotel as far as getting, like she said, with Ecolab, your products to clean and, and your um, POS systems, you know, Micros is coming. So all aspects of the hospitality industry from restaurants, clubs, um, casinos, that sort of thing. A lot of fun stuff, basically. Exactly, exactly. And it's not just, uh, you know, working in a restaurant or working in a hotel. It's, you know, you could do sales, marketing, anything in hospitality. It's really, really broad. It's really exciting. Cool. So now, uh, is this just for uh, for hospitality students? I mean, does this apply to, to, to folks outside the school as well? Um, it's for students at Michigan State. All majors are welcome, but it is featured for hospitality students. Very cool. So what is it you, what was it you say is the, the biggest benefit for hospitality students to, to come to this? Networking, for sure. Oh, wow. So just meet, mingling, that uh, resume kind of thing? Yeah, meeting, mingling, uh, building relationships. Very cool. It's very important in our industry. So, so now, uh, personally speaking, so how, what, what's your guys' role in, in all this? Um, we are both the directors of marketing for Career Expo. Oh, so, so since the reason you're on uh, the radio tonight. <laughs> <laughs> so what, is, what all does that entail, as, uh, including being here at the Impact? Um, we're mostly uh, recruiting hospitality students, underclassmen, freshmen and sophomores, trying to get them to come to the career fair and start building those relationships. Very so cool. we're doing everything, you know, um, from visiting classrooms to, you know, um, talking to the professors in class and just trying to, um, I don't know, tell everyone what our event's all about. Exactly. We have, um, also we have the, uh, should we talk about the truck that we have on Saturday? Sure. The big, uh, there's a truck that drives around East Lansing and we have hired them on Sunday or Saturday for the Michigan, Michigan state game. They're going to be driving around with our logo. Oh, this is one of those those trucks those with the trucks huge with the advertising. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. it's pretty exciting for us. It's the first year we've done that. So if you're tailgating on Saturday, definitely keep an eye out for the Career Expo truck. Certainly, I mean, yeah, I can't miss it. I've seen those things all over the place. Mm-hmm. Very yes. cool. Now, so speaking about the, the the hospitality school in general, so you know, say say one of our listeners is uh, you know just a, a freshman, kind of new to, new to school, not yet you know decided on on a major yet. What what's appealing, most appealing, I should say, about the the hospitality school? Probably just the large range of companies that were getting under one roof. Um, this is this is huge. It's it took a lot of a lot of time and a lot of hard work to get all of these companies to build those relationships and get them to come. So they're all excited to come recruit and to meet the students. And so it's just an awesome opportunity to see all of those cool companies that you've been hearing all about in the hospitality industry and to get that chance to meet you know 
the director of HR or the director of sales and marketing, you know, even the general manager of some places might be there. So um, it's just a cool way to get them all under one roof and go network and talk to them and ask them questions and find out about internships and the jobs that are there upon graduation. And another really exciting thing is that our industry partner of the year is coming. Um, it's White Lodging. And it's not just human resources, people coming to recruit. It's not just recruiters. Um, Bruce White is the CEO of White Lodging. Mm. So it's pretty big, um, really big name industry leaders are coming to this event. So you mentioned that you have an industry partner of the year every year. Every and year. And what, what, what is that program all about? Well, every year we recognize one, um, one outstanding company for all that they do for our school. Hmm. And, um, for example, our, key, our um, industry leader of the year always does um, a seminar during our pro professional development programs. And we'll talk a little bit about those in just a second. But it's just a way to recognize one of our industry partners and um, to, you know, build that relationship again. Very cool. So now, what what exactly was it that, that White Lodging did for the MS did for MSU? Well, White Lodging also um, hires permanent positions every year, and we always have a lot of candidates that go with them. And so, we just wanted to take that time and you know show them that we appreciate everything they've done for us, and that we want them we want them to come back. Certainly, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Another great thing about hospitality is that um, the major requires you to have two internships before you graduate. So this is why we have the career fair, and a lot of other majors don't require you to have hands-on experience. So with hospitality, if you really don't know if you like it, you do your first internship, you may decide, oh, I really love this, or I may want to try something different. So yeah. it's really great. It's a great opportunity for MSU. And now is, is, school, is school of hospitality within, like, the business school? Is that yes. or is it separate? Is it? Okay. So, yeah, that makes sense. You would, have, you would need to have those internships, that work experience under your belt then. Right. Yes. The school yeah. of hospitality business is... Um, its own independent school, and it's the first um, school, and it's inside the College of Business, so the Eli Broad College of Business. So Excellent. Wow. So uh, very interesting stuff. So now, as far as the Career Expo goes, kind of walk us through that. So, you know, okay. of course you need to, you know, I'm assuming you need to come, you know, dressed for the occasion and all that. Right. Um, well, the day starts at 9 a.m. with professional development seminars, and they're held at the Kellogg Hotel and Conference Center. We have everything from managing your moolah, starts at 9 a.m. to, um, you know, uh, like panels with recruiters and industry leaders where you can kind of have an open conversation with them, an open panel. So all sorts of different um, little seminars to go to. Um, like she said, managing your moolah is one, food for thought, um, evaluating your job offers and benefits, hotels 101. Um, another one is um, senior recruiters speak out restaurant ownership and development. You know, there's one on um, sales, so if you're interested in that, mm. that's a really awesome one to go to. Building your foundation in real estate, food 360, and then of course, um, most importantly, our key address from Mr. White. So all sorts of different things, and that goes until um, about 5 p.m. and that's right before our open house starts for our career fair. Wow, very cool. And you recommend, of course, I'm assuming that uh, people bring a lot of resumes. People bring a lot of resumes to the career fair, and professional dr dress is required, um, business professional. So. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I, <laughs> that's got to help the, uh, the folks yes, that are coming more than anything else. Yes, it's all about the way you look, right? Yes, exactly. absolutely. Get your foot in the door. So now, uh, just off the top of your head, can you give us any tips for, you know, that the person that's coming, like what they can do to really seal the deal, really present themselves well? Um, yeah, definitely research your companies. Um, our website is career, uh, career, yeah, yeah. www.careerexpo.com. Yeah, careerexpo.org. Dot dot org, <laughs> not .com. Um, it, if you go to the MSC website, you can check it out. We have a list of all the companies attending and a little blurb about the companies and a link to their website. Do your research. Know what companies you want to talk to. Know their know their hallmarks. Know what they're looking mm -hmm. for in people, and definitely bring a lot of resumes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, make sure you know which companies are interviewing. A lot of companies are going to be interviewing the next day, but there are some that can't. So you obviously want to make sure you know before you say, "Hey, can I get on your interview schedule?" So just put in the time, do some research, and again, like go on, you know, go onto the website if you have more questions and stuff. Um, one of the other things I wanted to just um, recommend is that you. Come as yourself. Don't come as somebody else. Don't put on a front. The recruiters are looking um, to know who you are as a person. They don't want to, you know, hear all this about how you've done this and done that, and you really mm -hmm. haven't. You want they want you to be yourself, and 
Um, they're looking for passionate people, hardworking people, and they're obviously looking for people who um, have great hospitality. Now, I would have to assume, and you can correct me if I'm wrong in this, that uh, the hospitality industry is one where you need to have a lot more charisma than, just say, your average job. Is that, is exactly. that safe to say? Yeah. You need to have that customer service piece, and you also need to be passionate, you know, friendly, outgoing. All of those things make up great hospitality candidates. So, so now, as far as you two are concerned, what draws you to this industry? Oh, gosh. Oh, I would say people. Yeah. Uh, I know we both love people, talking to people, building relationships. Um, and we just, the hospitality industry is so fun. I mean, it's going to a restaurant, going to a hotel. People are there always to have a good time. Mm -hmm. So I know you have to, you know, learn to deal with problems and things like that. But people are mostly there to have a good time. So, therefore, it makes your job a lot of fun. I so, think definitely you need to be the kind of person that wants to put a smile on others' face. And you want to make sure that your your customer is your guest and that they're having the most enjoyable time and that they leave happy. Mm -hmm. So I think that's really important. And yeah. I think hospitality major, they uh, people that are in the, this major know what it's all about. And I think you, you either have it or you don't. So mm -hmm. Right. And it's all about creating those unforgettable memories for people. You want to make them remember. Yeah. No, I, in a former life, I used to uh, organize large conferences for uh, another university, the food and housing and all that. And, okay. and you mentioned like, the, you know, the problems that may arise, too. And even that I found kind of exhilarating, the, the problem-solving mm -hmm. element of it. So. And it's all about how you yeah. fix the problem. You can turn a problem into a great, great experience. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I know. It's, yeah. And once you, you know, yeah, I, I remember, you know, a couple of occasions seeing somebody who was really frustrated with something, you you, you managed to solve that problem for them. Just that, that turnaround, that, that one. 180 was made it all worthwhile as far exactly. as I was concerned. So. It's never routine. It's never the same thing. Yeah. Every day is different. It, that's like the biggest thing I can say right now. Yeah, and so. that's what makes it a lot of fun is it's never the same thing every day. So if somebody doesn't want to sit in an office for, you know, 365 days a year mm -hmm. for nine hours a day, mm -hmm. sure. you know, you have to be into it too. Hospitality students work a lot. Um, the You know, the industry requires you to work a lot of long hours and it is pretty tiring, but if you're not passionate about it, you know. You'll learn real quick. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You'll I, become passionate about it. Let's make a break. It. I'm sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So now, uh, what is, say says that somebody can't make it to the career expo? Are there other career services that the, the school provides? Yes, we have the Student Industry Resource Center, uh, mm -hmm. CERC for short. It's the second floor in Epley Center. Um, it's in the School of Hospitality Business. In, yeah, it's in the School of Hospitality Business, and it's there just for students. Um, you can go up there. Uh, Miss Othella Hawks is our career advisor. She's the director of. You know, and she's also, you know, our director here for the Career Expo. So we kind of report to her and help her, and she helps us along the way as well. Um, but students can go up there, and there's um, we have students in hospitality that work up there, um, undergraduate students and graduate students that are there to help you make contacts with people that are coming to Career Expo and people that aren't coming to Career Expo. They can help you write cover letters, help you with your resume, just give you advice in general. They're, so just, they're just there to help. So this is a good place to hit before you go to the Career Expo? It's yeah, definitely, definitely a good place. A good place if you so. want us to look over your resume, anything, we're always there for you. That's a great, yeah, that's a great tip, I think. You know, in addition to, you know, dressing the part, you need to have those materials, you know, polished as well. Right. Yeah. So uh, what else can you add about the, the event that might really draw people in? Like stuff that you guys are looking forward to, you know, specifically uh, in addition to, you know, all the great, the great companies that will be there. Um, not only building relationships with these uh, recruiters that are coming, but also building relationships with your fellow students. I mean, when you walk into Career Expo, it could be really intimidating, but it's the mood's really electric in there. Everybody's, I always have a great time at Career Expo, M you know, meeting with old friends, you know, seeing everybody all dressed up. It's really, really great. And just the m most important thing is building those relationships, getting those contacts, mm -hmm. not only with the recruiters, but with fellow students as well. Right. And even if you're not looking for, you know, for an internship quite yet, or you're not, you're not upon graduation, you know, if you're a freshman or a sophomore or a transfer student of, you know, or maybe if you're not in hospitality, it's still a, such a great event because you get to network with all these people. You can go back next year, you know, and then you might have that job offer or, you know, later down the road, you might want to work for that company. So it's just a really cool way to network with these recruiters and these companies and see what they're all about. And, um, you know, and if you fit with which company and stuff. Sure. So it's really, it's really a great opportunity. I'd have to assume that an entire room full of, uh, you know, people persons, I guess is the way to put it, would really, you know, you really get that, that, that level of energy. Yeah, going. it's really, the mood in there is great. So now, uh, personally speaking, what uh, what do you two hope to do when, upon graduation? Where do you guys like, what would, like, dream hospitality job, what would it be? Um, I haven't decided really yet. I want to work somewhere in, like, banquets or catering in a oh, food cool. and beverage outlet. Anywhere, anywhere in the world, so. Yeah. Um, I 
I have sort of a, a goal to kind of open my own, like, business someday, um, whether it be, like, my own catering business or my own bed and breakfast. Um, I, I love everything in hospitality from food and beverage to hotels. So there's a lot of different things I'm interested in. Uh, um, one in particular would be sales. So um, hopefully upon graduation I have something um, in sales and then work just wait, work my way to the top, I guess. Cool. Now, now, how far along are you guys in your in your major? We're both graduating in December. We're oh, both, wow. So we're you're both we're, about to graduate. Yeah, you're in the home stretch <laughs> so right now. So this career expo is really important for us. <laughs> I was yeah. going to say, yeah, you could definitely get something out of this. <laughs> so hopefully get a job. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, yeah, I guess you guys are the right people to come by to tell us about this because right? you're, yeah. you're looking for the jobs, too. We've been there many times, and we know what it's like. So. It's also made us really passionate about our position on the executive committee for this because mm. um, we put in a lot of hours um, trying to do this marketing, and it, it really makes a lot of sense for us because this is really, really important for us, this event. And it's, I feel, one of the most important events that the School of Hospitality puts on every year. So so you mentioned the, the two internships needed for graduation. You got your guys' graduation mm-hmm. right around the corner. Did you get your internships through the Career Expo? Or is I that did, connect- yeah. You did? What? Yeah, both did. Who, who were yours with? Um, mine was with Entertainment Cruises for both my internships. It's the, uh, I worked on the Odyssey cruise ship on Navy Pier in Chicago. Oh, wow. I started off as a server and then was a restaurant supervisor. So Oh, cool. Perfect for the catering game. It was great. Yeah. It, was, yeah. it was really great. So was, what about you? Um, I also... Um, got my in. I well, actually, I've done three internships. One, I didn't get it career, the career fair. You know, I went home after my freshman year and just um, I helped open a brand new restaurant up there. So that was a mm. lot of fun. Um, I actually got a really awesome opportunity to go out to Las Vegas and work for the Venetian. I got this at the career fair. So there's so many awesome wow, opportunities. Cool. Yeah. So I um, worked out in human resources for the summer in Las mm. Vegas. And then this past summer, I worked for a company called Ecolab. We talked a little bit about them earlier, and I also got that at the career fair. So Wow, so just paying off in spades for you. No right, wonder you're exactly. involved with it. Yeah. Now, you mentioned just a moment ago, too, that there are other events that the – I keep pronouncing it wrong. I'm sure it's the – The School of Hospitality <laughs> Business. <laughs> I don't want to get that wrong. The School of Hospitality Business puts on uh, throughout the year. What, what other stuff can people look forward to beyond this? Well, we have four events. The Career Expo is the first event. Then we have Vegas Night, which is in January. We have then uh, Lake Gourmet, which is a seven-course dinner that's in March. And then we have our auction. They're doing the Samba auction this year, and that's the last event? Yeah, that's our last event. Um, All of the events, there's four main events, and they're all really cool. You know, we have this career fair, then we have a black and tie dinner, and that's, um, that's like, the coolest event now, ever. Is that the, is that the, the, the banquet? Or? It's, oh. it's, it's a dinner. It's a seven-course dinner. And all these events are put on... It completely by the students. It's all student run, which makes it really, really great. You, we all put this on our resume because it's a huge job. Wow. So, now, where does that take place hours. at? I'm assuming it's a the pretty big deal. May, They all mm-hmm. take place at the Kellogg Center. Oh, they all do? Okay. Yeah. And now, are you all servers and organizers and caterers? And, like, yep. I take yeah, it everybody and runs everything. Are, everywhere. We have a lot of chefs come in for Le Gourmet. They work, um, you know, students volunteer the back of the house, the front of the house, servers. So. Mm-hmm. It's really elaborate, and it's cool. a it's a sight to see. Mm-hmm. And there's always volunteer positions available, so it's it's really cool. It's a really cool way to get involved and show your Spartan spirit and your hospitality colors. So I always have to assume that that catering always seemed like the sort of the fun end of food service. I mean, you know, I, I guess from the, the exact opposite end of the spectrum from that crummy, you know, Burger King job you might have had at sixteen. Right. This is the yeah. a complete other end right. of like creativity and exactly. and that hospitality. Element. Right? Who wouldn't like to plan a party and then go to it? I yeah, mean, that's yeah. exactly that's what that. Makes it so much caterers. Fun. Always say that. Oh, I just I plan parties for a living. It's great. Yeah, <laughs> and then you get to go and you know enjoy it. So see it all take place is makes it all worthwhile. That's very cool. And then our oh, yeah. Ve- or our Vegas night. Um, just to touch on that a little bit. It's just an awesome event. It's actually um a one night kind of uh, Las Vegas in East Lansing. So right. it's really cool. Yeah, we have everything from blackjack, uh, money wheel, roulette, everything. And we've also, last year we had a poker tournament, so oh, wow. I think they're going to make the poker tournament a little bit bigger this year. Yeah, so. I was going to say, that that sounds pretty interesting to me. I might actually stop by for that one. But, yeah, uh, <laughs> it's really awesome. exciting, and you should we should be, uh, you know, before we break, hopefully all MSU will hear a little bit about Vegas night. Yeah, so. well, we'd definitely love to have you back to talk about that and the auction and the banquet and everything, so that sounds fantastic. Well, anything else you guys want to add? We're going to take a break here in a moment, but, uh, you know, about the Career Expo or anything else involving the school? Um, well, the day starts off. It's um, next Tuesday, November 6th. The day starts off in the morning with professional development at 9 a.m. Uh, then the uh, open house starts at 5.30, and that'll go all the way till 8.30 at night. So Fantastic. Uh-huh. And then interviews will proceed the next day. So You can sign up for interviews at the open house. 
Cool. So two full days of uh, great career excitement. Exactly. <laughs> very, very cool. Well, th- I want to thank you guys for stopping by. Thank you very thank much you for, for having, having us. Fantastic. Again, that's the uh, the School of Hospitality Businesses Career Expo, Tuesday, November 6th. Uh, everything gets underway at uh, 9 a.m. And, of course, uh, there's an open house uh, that later on that day as well, uh, 530 to 830. Is that right? Right. right. Cool. All right. And, uh, and the web, dr- web address one more time. www.career-expo.org There you go. Well, thanks a lot, guys, for coming by. All right. Thank you. Go green. Oh, go white. All right. We're going to take a short break, and we'll be back with more Impact Exposure in just a moment. You're listening to Exposure on 88.9 The Impact. At the football game, Jim shows the telltale signs of being wasted. He starts flexing for the camera. He refers to his muscles as gunboats. He screams, how's this for a halftime show? Jim streaks the field. It's easy to tell if you've had way too many to drive. But what if you've had just one too many to drive? Never underestimate just a few. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Transportation, the Ad Council, and this station. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, Primetime. where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Sunday nights, check out Sit or Spin from 8 to 10 p.m., where you can voice your opinion on what new music we play here on the Impact. Only on Impact Primetime. You're listening to Exposure on 88.9, the Impact. Phone lines are open at 432-3893. And now... Back to Exposure. We are back with more Impact Exposure. We were just speaking with the School of Hospitality Businesses Career Expo. Uh, the, again, that, that event going on Tuesday, September, or excuse me, Tuesday, November 6th at 9 a.m. More information on that available at career-expo.org. Switching gears now, we're uh, talking with a couple of folks from Community. Uh, we got uh, Krista and Ashley sitting here with me. Thanks a lot for stopping by. Thanks for having us. Certainly. So now uh, folks maybe may remember Community as uh, under a different name, uh, the, the name of Alan. Is that right? Yes. So now, uh, tell us what, what the group is all about. Did you want to go? Or? Well, we have a few purposes. Um, one, we represent the minority watchdog for the media. So that includes we kind of monitor the representation of minorities in the media and things like that. We are also concerned with the retention rate of minorities in uh, media-related fields. Hmm. Um, we have a few come in, but we don't have that many graduate, so we would like to see more. So we provide networking networking opportunities, resume-building workshops, you know, just a way to bridge the gap from college to real world to kind of keep Latino, Asian, Arabic, just colorful faces out there. Certainly. Um, we also provide, like we said, resume building workshops and we're open. We used to be specifically journalism, but now we have opened our doors to other facets of the media because, you know, they're all kind of connected. Sure. So PR needs love too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so does advertising. So we, um, we reach out to everyone and just try to, like I said, bridge the gap. Great. Yeah, and you mentioned about the retention thing. I'm assuming that's that's a, probably a big part for your group. Yeah. Is to, to sort of uh, foster you know growth within the program. Right. We've noticed that um, our actual advisor actually looked at numbers, and I believe over the past probably more than three years, the rate of growth as for minorities involved in our journalism school has not increased hmm. at all. And so how does that compare to folks coming in? I mean, well, we actually have more people coming in than leave out. Oh, wow. um, a lot of it has to do with a particular test that we addressed. It's called, um, uh, it's an, an entrance, entrance exam to get into the J school. Hmm. Um, Jern 200 proficiency. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah. Exam. I took that one myself. Yeah. And, um, you know, so there's even been some talk that it might be slightly biased. Hmm. Sort However, of like, yeah, I know the SAT has had that, uh, applied yeah, to it as has well. Had that yeah. issue. So. A lot of students, first off, a lot of advisors are telling students, minority students specifically, that they won't pass in the first place. And after the first or second time the law failed, they are told to switch their majors, often Hmm. to English. So, you know, after they give up taking that test, then they're out of the school. So now I've, 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 like I mentioned, the, the SAT has had this applied to it as well, and I've never been really clear on on what, where the bias comes in at. Maybe you could fill me in on that. Like what what elements of it may have a level of bias to them? Well, the, oh, you can go ahead. 
the bias comes in by because in high school, a lot of minorities aren't prepared as if you were going to a nice suburban school. A lot of minorities who are entering into the J school come from urban school districts, oh. and we don't necessarily have a grammar class sure. specifically just to teach us grammar. We usually just have an English class, which most students, I know in my high school, we didn't have English for the four, full four years. Mm-hmm. Every other non-minority student I've met that's been in my journalism classes have always said, oh, we had to take grammar class, we had to take English class, we had to take four years of Spanish. Right. My my school didn't do that. So I think that's the type of bias that we're talking about because we're not prepared coming in from high school to do this. We're playing catch up once hmm. we get to So college. sort of an unintentional institutional bias. Is that fair to say or maybe not? In general, I would okay. say that's fair. I mean... Also, another thing that we're concerned about is almost every uh, minority student that's come to our organization has said that an advisor told them beforehand that they would fail the test. So now, why why would an advisor tell a student that? That seems so unusual. Well, we've had a lot of... They have said that that was true. Hmm. Actually, my personal experience, it took me three times to pass the proficiency test. Were you told that initially? My advisor didn't tell me exactly I wasn't going to pass it, but she told me for sure I wasn't going to pass it the first time. But she was correct in my case, but others like Krista, you know, the advisor was wrong. Hmm. Yeah, my advisor, I went to her and actually asked her, is there anything I could study or anything? And she said, well, there's nothing you can study, but more than likely you'll fail. So you need to just prepare (laughs) for the next time. And I went and took the test in 20 minutes and passed. So, I mean, I think instilling thoughts like that or when teachers tell these students, well, you probably won't pay, it won't graduate in four years. Mm-hmm. So when you tell a lot of minority students that from the beginning, it's almost like a double whammy. I yeah. mean, they already come in believing they're not as prepared as students that perhaps went to private schools in the suburbs or whatnot. And then you have an advisor that's supposed to put them on the right path tell them that they won't make it. Mm-hmm. I'm so. sure that's just one additional, you know, step in this, you know, in a, in a, a long line of, I guess, discouragement, you know, that, you know, I, you know, I'm not going to apply to college. Why would I do that? You know, and then, well, you know, I do apply to college and I get in and then all of a sudden, you know, there's, there's restrictions from the program itself. I'm sure right. that's, you know, that's even more discouraging. So it yeah, can be. it's a great, you know, a great uh, reason for your group to even exist in the first place. Oh, know? definitely. And what a thing we want to clear up too is some people might get the wrong idea and say that, we're trying to put out negativity or bash or anything like that. Mm-hmm. I think our goal is to put a more positive light, you know, encourage minorities to do positive things. And that, you know, though people may say negative things, you can graduate in four years. You can pass this test. You can you can graduate from the journalism school. I mean, it's difficult, but we're making it. Mm-hmm. We have every intention on being journalists. We have internships where, you know, it's a process just like with everyone else. So, You know, our goal is not to say, well, this is bad and they're dogging us and that's not the goal. No, I've always gotten that impression from from Alana then and and community now is no, is that, yeah, you're definitely providing uh, some great resources to folks that, you know, that are very capable and and otherwise, you know, being told things that they shouldn't be, like you mentioned. And everybody's welcome. Of course, of course. Everyone is always welcome. (laughs) Yeah, very, very inclusive. Yeah, everyone's welcome. (laughs) So now, uh, you know, I mentioned a moment ago that there was the the name change. So can we talk a little bit about why why there was a, a a change in the name? Well, at first, we um, we had a meeting with all of our members. It kind of started with, we did some heavy recruiting at the beginning of the year, and we expected a huge turnout for our first meeting, and what we got was much less than expected. Mm. So we had to address some issues as to why people weren't coming, and we realized that our name was one of them. Um, for one, Alana, a lot of people didn't had no idea what that represented, mm. and when they did... Um, it, A, has the same name as a graduate program. It stood for Asian, Latino, African, Native American, and Arab American. Um, it, it was the same name as another program, and a lot of people felt like it was too based on color. I see. And so a lot of students, even minority students, you know, coming on campus, they want to be included. They don't want to be excluded. Sure. So they don't want to be a part of a group that's just for minorities, especially with Kids coming from a city that's primarily black or, you know, primarily Latino or whatnot. Mm-hmm. They want to be in a group that includes everyone. So our actual president came up with the name Community. And so the COM 
stands for communication majors, and you know, community kind of includes everyone. So I have to say, it's a very clever name. Yeah, <laughs> it was a lot. It was a lot more attractive. So. Sorry. Yeah, we got a little better feedback from that one cool. than the previous name. So, uh, so you mentioned that the turnout was a little lower at the beginning of, of the year. Has, have you seen it improve since the name change? Yeah, um, especially after we had a um, we had a meeting that um, talked about the proficiency exam that we just talked about. Mm-hmm. And I remember I left to go get something for the meeting, and when I came back, it was like the room was full. Oh wow! I, I was just. <laughs> I was blown away because I was like, well, maybe five more people will come. Or, sure. <laughs> but honestly, a lot of students showed up. That's so. going to be really encouraging, though. Oh, yeah. It, it definitely was. You know, a lot of people show interest. And it's a slow process to build an organization to mm-hmm. become large. But, I mean, you know, we take it one day at a time and we'll get bigger and bigger. It might Even if it's not this year, you know. Maybe next year, but as sure. long as we affect a few people, that's really our goal. So you mentioned the the proficiency test is one thing that's on your on your plate right now as mm-hmm. a group. What what else are you looking at at the moment? Well, right now we're trying to provide networking opportunities. A lot of students, you know, I don't know if they some have realized, some haven't realized, but journalism is an experience based field. Um, it's not like engineering or whatnot where it's simply a skill and when you graduate you get a job. Mm-hmm. With no experience, there is no job. So right. we um gotta have are, those clips. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so we're trying to um bring in members from the media and just really work on letting students know these are the things you have to have together before you graduate or we can't put more minority faces out there if we don't if they're not prepared, you know, with you know, no matter how much we push, preparation is everything. So mm-hmm. That's really an important goal of ours right now. Certainly, and I'm sure you know that that level of diversity really benefits the workforce as well, especially in you know in journalism. Definitely. Because I mean, uh, I, I attended a talk last year uh, on on Arab um, uh, coverage uh, in Detroit media, hmm. and you know there was there was a big issue you know from the audience you know feel you know question and answer area about uh, you know how Arabs are portrayed in media, and the, and that came down to is that you know journalists weren't doing anything intentionally. You know, malicious. It was just a lack of information, right. and that uh, a more diverse, you know, uh, staff at a newspaper would, you know, would definitely help that. And I'm sure, you know, tools right. like that you're providing to students here are only going to help that. I, I would assume. And we also another thing that we see is more and more we see stories concerning minorities, but they're not covered by minorities. So the angle on it is a little different than mm-hmm. you know perhaps it should be taken. I mean, with issues of immigration and things like that and all of these things that have to do with minorities. And, you know, there aren't minorities covering the issues. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we think that's really, really important. That's why we also serve as kind of a media watchdog Mm -hmm. for how issues are covered, Um, not simply on campus, but in general. Sure. So that's really important. So now this media watchdog role, I'm kind of curious about that as well. How, how, how does that role func- work for, for community? Well, we are trying to enforce it. Right now we're um, kind of focusing on the networking aspect, so we haven't gotten a chance to do everything we want to with that. But, you know, it's important for us to send letters, you know, let people know that these voices do exist. We, even if we're not exactly seen, we do exist. There mm-hmm. are, you know, students who care about these issues and who know that they're not represented the way that they should be. Um, even the, when the the Young Republicans issue mm-hmm. on campus. Oh, yeah. um, we're all familiar with that Yeah, one. you know, everybody knows about that. Sure. So, you know, it's important. A lot of us were, you know, in attendance at the, um, the protest or whatnot. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we just really like to have a say about the issues. I mean... It's not always about what can change, but if people can hear the other side of the story, right. that's important. Yeah, it's that, it's that presence, I'm sure, that really you know makes your group continue and, and right. have that, that visibility. Yeah. Um, I always remember the same you know the same logic being applied to unions that you know like, oh well those are outdated. Well, no, if, if they didn't exist, then you wouldn't have that same level of, like I guess protection. Right. You know. Yeah. Correct. So. Um, so now you know we talked about the, the you know the, the retention and then the placement tests and everything like that. What what else is? I mean, I'm sure it, it sounds like you're a very busy group. And media retention yeah. and, and the and the uh, the watchdog role, the media. I mean, what else do you? What don't you do? <laughs> well, we do a lot. We yeah. just noticed that um, in almost every other school, there is a group that addresses either any type of minority. Mm-hmm. For instance, in the business school, there's a 
there's a um, group for Native American and Chicano business students. And then there is one for black business students and things like that in the journalism school that didn't exist. Hmm. So we kind of are all inclusive. Um, all minorities are welcome. And we realize that we can't really exactly stop at journalism. Um, during recruiting, we just noticed that all these people that were not journalists wanted to be a part of it. So we try to be all of those groups that other majors have in one. I mean, we're yeah. just that one group that tries to do everything. Um, we try to offer support, advice, anything we can do. I mean, we're only students, so there's only so much we can do. But, you know, anything we can, we really try to. We're um, trying to fundraise and things like that and, you know, keep our face out there and just keep building. We, our goal right now is to get bigger. Very to get cool. larger. The larger your presence, the better your presence. Absolutely, so. absolutely. Well, how, how can folks get involved with, with community? Well, our next meeting is actually November 7th, I believe. November 7th. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if people want to get involved, they can contact us on Facebook. We have a Facebook group. Um, you can just type in community on Facebook. That's it's community C. with one M, right? Yes. Okay. One M. Um, it's usually capital C, capital O, capital mm -hmm. M, and the unity is lowercase. Um, we usually post all of our events and our meetings and things like that. And you can just stop by, you know, a, a student, you know, has that option. So fantastic. Well, I want to we're also at community at Gmail. Oh, perfect. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Community at gmail.com. That's, that's great to know. Well, yep. uh, we're just about out of time. We've got a couple other groups to, uh, stop by, but I want to thank you for both for, uh, for coming in. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Us. Certainly. Again, their, their next meeting, uh, November 7th. And of course, uh, uh, like everybody, you and me and everybody else are all on Facebook. So, uh, <laughs> great place to check out more information on community there. Uh, again, thank you both for coming in thank and, uh, we're going to take a short break and we'll be back with more impact exposure in just a minute. You're listening to Exposure on 88.9 The Impact. For some high school students, school can be a dangerous place. A lot of gang members look at you as a gang member, too. For some, just being in school can be a struggle. I wouldn't go to school. I didn't care about what my mom said. My mom would tell me, like, what are you doing for yourself? You're not doing nothing. But despite all the obstacles, inside every high school student, as a graduate. People look down on you if you don't have a diploma. I want to graduate because they say I won't. Go to BoostUp.org and find out how you can help a friend, a son, a daughter finish high school. BoostUp.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Army and the Ad Council. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, Primetime, where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Tuesday nights from 8 until midnight, the Impact's Progressive Torch and Twang brings you the best in alternative country and grassroots music. Only on Impact Primetime. You're listening to Exposure on 88.9, The Impact. Phone lines are open at 432-3893. And now, back to Exposure. All right, and we are back with more Impact Exposure. We were just speaking with uh, uh, both Krista and Ashley from uh, Community. That's the uh, Communication Schools uh, Diversity Group. Uh, more information, of course, on them available on their Facebook group. Just do a quick search for uh, C-O-M-U-N-I-T-Y, and you'll uh, learn more about them. And, of course, all, every episode of Impact Exposure is uh, uh, available for podcast on our website at impact89fm.org in case you miss any of these interviews. Uh, switching gears now, we're speaking with uh, Kevin uh, Clifton from uh, Habitat for Humanity. Uh, thanks so much for stopping by. Hey, not a problem. I appreciate it. Appreciate Good. the exposure. Absolutely. Well, Habitat for Humanity is a great group. We're more than happy to have you on. Uh, but for those of us that, that aren't familiar with the group, what is it you guys are all about? Actually, we're about making sure that families in need have a home, you know, whether it be through catastrophe, which is more at the international level, like what they're doing down in Louisiana, rebuilding uh, that area from Katrina. A lot of ours it, the affiliates are done throughout the communities, like Lansing has their own affiliate. I'm representing mm -hmm. the Jackson affiliate. Uh, and it's just building our communities and making sure that, like I said, those who need a home have a good brand new home and it doesn't set them up for failure. And so they su can succeed in life. Hmm. Now, the, the image that always pops in my head is, you know, Jimmy Carter out there, you know, building <laughs> houses. But, uh, I mean, it is it is that simple, you know, that you don't really need to have a lot of experience in, in doing this if you want to get involved. Is that right? Yeah. A lot of it's all volunteer based. You know, everything in the nonprofit sector, it comes from donations and volunteers. And, it, you know, whether it come from, you know, I, I target a lot of students in high school. The um, I, I come from an athletic background. So. Sometimes I feel that the uh, student body with their athletes and things like that, if you 
put the leaders out there, then the rest of the student body will follow. But as far as within the community base, in Jackson, I find a lot of older individuals, you know, 60s, almost, some of them are even 70 years old that are out there swinging hammers. So, wow. it, yeah, it's 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 a great time to be able to meet your community and, and help build it. So Yeah, so I mean, if folks out there are doing that, you can definitely use some, some uh, college labor, I'm sure. Oh, most definitely. <laughs> most definitely. The, our, um, the college that we have in Jackson is Jackson Community College. Mm -hmm. Um, you guys have a number of, you know, smaller colleges as well as MSU up here, which is my favorite school. So, oh, um, shocks. You probably say that to all the schools. <laughs> no, actually, I don't. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a true U of M fan. So, or not U of M, excuse me. I apologize, Michigan State, <laughs> Michigan State fan. Um, I didn't attend Michigan State. I attended Eastern Michigan and Adrian College, but... Hmm. I always uh, had my passion for the big S. So excellent. Well, we appreciate that, and uh, you know, of course, for you coming on, tell us about the the group. Uh, so now, go ahead and walk us through, like, a, you know, someone like me. I've never been involved with Habitat for Humanity. Like, how would I get involved? What would I do? The initial process is that you come in and you fill out an application, and that application does have some criteria that you need to not be above or or below some of the standards. Um, mm -hmm. As far as income wise, your family would have to make X amount of dollars, and Along with that, it would also be based on the number of individuals that would be in your house, um, in the whole household itself. So, you know, there's a, there's a couple of things. Then it would go through a review board, and it's based a lot more on, on the family's needs. Whoever's needs are in the most demand at that point in time would receive the home. Hmm. Uh, you know, so it's it's not a case of, you know, just trying to help an individual out because they – they don't want to pay their rent or something like that. It's right. setting them up for success in a in a in a beautiful home. So, so how do you uh, how do you find folks that are that are interested in in, in working with Habitat for Humanity who are who are in need of, of a home like that? I mean, you mentioned it's not just people looking for a handout or right. or lazy people or whatever you know right. stereotypes might be. I mean, how how does that that process work? A lot of it is word of mouth. You know, oh, okay. if one individual says, "Hey, you know what? I applied for this," or another individual said, "You know what? With the situation that your family's in." Go down and apply for that, and see and see where you fall. You know, so it, it it's a walk-in basis at times. You know, you could find out from being a volunteer that hey, you know what, such and such is getting a house built for them. How about I go and do the same for myself, and and see if I can apply and see if I qualify for that. So there's there's a number of ways. You know, mm -hmm. even with the volunteers, we we have a number 101 ways that an individual can volunteer for us. Wow. So the demands are, as far as as far as in the volunteer sector, is is really really great, and we really like to see the individuals come out and lend a hand. So, so, so say an individual applies and they're you know they're they're chosen. Uh, what's the what's the next step from there? I mean, is there a long waiting process to have the house built? And what's the how does these it work? these homes that are built are actually a partnership between the homeowner and Habitat for oh. Humanity. The individuals who are selected to have their homes built have to put three to five hundred hours of sweat equity into their homes. Now, it's all once again on a volunteer basis. So some of these individuals don't have to swing hammers. They can come into our offices and help do book work, papers, um, filing, things of that nature. You can cook a meal and give it to the volunteers. Hmm. All of those things equal hours going towards your sweat equity. So there's a, there's a number of ways that it can be done throughout the process. Say you, you you go and your your board decision is approved, and you go on past that. That's when we start bringing you in. You know what your house is going to be. We explain to you what the build process is going to be, how it goes, um, and and from there you just you, it goes from a ground break, from a dig all the way up to to siding a roof and and the keys to your door. So wow, it, it's the whole like thing, said, start to finish, huh? Start to finish. Very cool. Now I have to imagine that it's more than just hammers that are involved in this. I mean, oh yeah. Where do you where do you get you know your all of this? I mean, assuming there's you know big dig equipment, uh, where where does that come in at? All this, uh, they're all received by donations. Hmm. Well, I I take that back. Some of them are contracted work that goes out, and um, we we do have to pay these contractors. But as far as how we pay them is through donations. And from being able to have the labor done through volunteers, it, it greatly reduces the price of, of building a home. So, yeah, there's – matter of fact, I was on the job site today at 309 Robinson in Jackson, and uh, it was uh, a situation where I pulled up. I needed to take some pictures, and there's a huge bulldozer out front. Mm -hmm. the, the roads tore up and everything else, getting the plumbing ready for the sewage and stuff like that. So I'm like – I've been around construction my whole life, but, you know, just seeing it – in action, you know, I wasn't really paying attention that right. much. So, right. So now you mentioned, you know, the, the it's a the entire area that you were working at today was was pretty much, 
you know, being built on. Is that typical? Do you usually get a, a large chunk of land that you build multiple houses on, or is it select houses in pre-established neighborhoods? A lot of the a lot of the housing is done through, like I said, once again, donation, either land being given to us, or, or we pay the city for land where the the taxes will pay the taxes off on the land, mm-hmm. things like that. So we get a lot of inner city lands, uh, inner city vacant lots that are that are built on to once again build the community up and you know give a little bit back to to the community. So these homes are like I said, the lots are 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 pre pre set up. You know we get them and then we go and a lot of times the homeowner has the choice on where they have their house built at. So and like I said, it's just vacant lots throughout the community, or there might even be lots that are up for sale by private owners and. We see if we can, you know, give them a reasonable price for their property, and so they can help us out as well. So I have to assume that this is a very rewarding job to be involved with. It's a very rewarding job to be involved in. You know, at 32 years old now, I never thought that I would be as happy doing what I'm doing, and you know, the the feeling is great. Jackson is my community. I've lived there my whole life. Besides going off and coming to college, there's a motto in town: once you leave, you know you're coming back. And it's, <laughs> it's very true. So yeah. I've I've left like three or four times and end up in the same spot. So uh, just watching it being done is is a great thing. You know, you're, you're just as happy for yourself as you are for the ham- family who's getting a home built for. Sure. So I'm sure you have to have some have had some great experiences of uh, you know someone receiving their first home and and you know why and opening up that that first time with their with their new key and everything. I mean that's that's gonna be something great to just think about. You know, when you're at work. I'm. Six foot two, two hundred and sixty-five pounds, and there's a lot of tears. And yeah. I, I would be the first to admit that I'm, I, I've, I've shed them myself at times. So because of it, and it, there's a lot of uh, emotions that are involved, and it's just a great feeling. So now you mentioned a moment ago that you spent your life in construction. So how? Do, I mean, assuming you were working for private contractors or something like that, uh, how do you make that transition from you know it, to, from that to like a nonprofit like uh, like Habitat for Humanity? Well, actually, how I got into this is I applied for the uh, project management position here, or not here, but for Habitat for Humanity in Jackson. An individual had more experience than me in in the building field. Actually, received that position, and. I received the development director position instead. You know, when one door shuts, another one opens. Mm-hmm. So uh, I had originally started out with nursing in college. Oh, wow. And uh, I chose to do some things different and got out of college and got into the heating and cooling trade. And from there, got into management of heating and cooling and being around construction that whole time for like 13 years, 11, between 12 and 11, 13, 11 years of construction. You know, I just had watched the build process go from groundbreaking all the way up as well mm-hmm. but i never really paid attention to it like i said i just was like i'm doing the heating part and this is what i focus on sure. and the plumbers over there and things like that so uh that's that's how i got involved and it was going for that project management position mm-hmm. so there's there's there, i think there's only like three or four maybe five positions that are held within the offices i know mm-hmm. lansing's might be a little bit different up here but in ours we have the executive director uh, myself as a development director we have a uh, uh, office director and office manager and uh, project manager. And then we have another one that's a gentleman that's affiliated with a, a group called AmeriCorps mm-hmm. who is affiliated with Habitat for Humanity, but really there's, there's some guidelines he has to follow as far as being affiliated with us as far as government standards. So. I see. Well, it's, a, it's a really a fantastic program. We're, we're just running a little bit out of time here, but uh, uh, it, how, real quick before you go, how can folks get involved with, with the Jackson Group or with, your, or with uh, Lansing Group? What would you recommend? I would recommend, as far as the Lansing Group, there is a very nice lady that's a MSU alum. Her name is Julie Birch. Um, you can contact their offices at, I believe, 517-314-1313, and her extension number is, is extension 13. And myself is... I'm Kevin Clifton, the development director in Jackson, and our number is 517-784-6620. Real quick, I'd just like to mention one thing real quick. Myself, well, the Lansing and Jackson Habitat for Humanities are kind of in a little competition right now. Our organization was donated two tickets for the Michigan-Michigan State game, so we are raffling them off. So if any of your viewers or listeners would like to have information on how they could get some of those tickets, maybe their family members, or maybe a student that didn't get a ticket for the game, Mm It's for a great cause. All proceeds are going to be split 50-50 between Jackson Habitat for Humanity and Lansing Habitat for Humanity. And like I said, with this, uh, with this, it's a competition right now to see whose community can can uh, build or generate the most revenue. So 
I've given you the numbers, and mm -hmm. if you guys need those, once again, give us a call, and, and we'd be we'd be greatly appreciated to uh, to receive a donation. Why don't you give so. those num numbers one more time? I'm sure when people hear those tickets, their ears are going to perk up a little bit more. So one more time. Uh, the Jackson affiliate is area code 517-784-6620, and the Lansing affiliate is 517-374-1313, and the Lansing affiliate's name is Julie Birch. And uh, Kevin Clifton, of course, down in, in Jackson. Uh, thanks so much for stopping by. Uh, best of luck with the competition. Thank you very much. Certainly. Great. We're going to take a short break, and we'll be back to wrap up Impact Exposure in just a moment. You're listening to Exposure on 88.9 The Impact. Attention shoppers, if anyone is missing a rather plump set of love handles, please come to the customer service counter and claim them. The ample love handles were lost in the produce department where their former owner had purchased fruits and veggies to munch on during the big game. Thank you and have a good day. Small step number 81, snack on fruits and veggies. It's just one of the many small steps you can take to get healthy. Learn more at www.smallstep.gov. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, Primetime, where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Saturday nights from 8 p.m. until 2 a.m., tune into the cultural vibe to hear the best in both local and national hip-hop, plus live mixing on the ones and twos. Only on Impact Primetime. You're listening to Exposure on 88.9, The Impact. Phone lines are open at 432-3893. And now, back to Exposure. All right, we are back with more Impact Exposure. We were just speaking with uh, Kevin Clifton, who runs the Jackson branch of uh, uh, Habitat for Humanity. And, uh, of course, if you caught any of that, they are uh, raffling off a pair of U of M versus MSU tickets. Uh, if you're interested in that, uh, you know, we can, of course, give you some more info on that by calling 432-3893. Uh, switching gears now, we are going to wrap up our show speaking with representatives from the uh, uh, Women's Initiative for Leadership Development. We're speaking with uh, Emma, Aaron, and Brittany. Thanks so much, you guys, for stopping by. Thanks for having us. Certainly. So now go ahead and give us an idea about what, what your group is all about. Um, well, we're the Women's Initiative for Leadership Development, and basically we um, – let's see, what should I say? Sorry. <laughs> um, we basically want to inspire and prepare women of Michigan State University to become leaders within our community and within our state. So okay. I would say that's basically our mission overall. So is that leadership like in, in, in employment or in government? What sort I would of say basically in every single aspect of um, – female life. Um, I think that we want kind of to push women more to go into political leadership roles. So, Do you think that the women are, aren't, uh, are underrepresented there more than, than in other aspects? Oh, or? yes, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. We, have, we have, I know, I, I guess you could say we do have one female you know, candidate for president this year. Yes. So that's one more than usual, but it's yeah. still, you know, a lot, in, you know, not a lot in comparison to the others. Yeah. Um, but now you guys are here to talk about the uh, Women's Leadership Conference. Is that right? Yes, that is so, correct. So now what's that all about? Um, well, the purpose of the Women's Leadership Conference is to inspire women leaders to become leaders on campus, um, in our community, and for the world. And um, the event, it's a great event. Um, we bring in different, uh, three different workshops um, that attendees can attend, um, ranging from educational to diversity to um, anything you could imagine. So, and we also have a great keynote speaker this year that we're bringing in. Oh, who, um, who are you bringing in? Consuelo Castillo Kickbush. She is the um, highest-ranking uh, former uh, Hispanic woman in the um, military division of the U.S. Army. Oh wow! Yeah, she's uh, she's been on the speaker circuit um, throughout the nation. She's now retired, um, and one of her messages is that you need to be. Um, a leader in today's world, and then also pass it on. So. Oh, wow. Yeah, I'm sure you know, someone with a position like that is definitely going to have a lot to say about leadership. Oh, yes. <laughs> so you've got, uh, you've got workshops going on. There's, there's the keynote address. What, what can people expect when, you know, from, from these workshops? Like what kind of stuff do you have going on? I, um, well, I guess the best way to like, um, give an idea of what's going on with their workshops is just tell you some of like, our titles of sure, yeah. a workshop. So um, we have one called Learn the Art of Mentoring. Um, Making your contri uh, contributions work for you. Um, empowering women, developing leaders for corporate America. We have one that deals with um, sick of stress, so that's good. Sure, and everyone can really say that one, not just women. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
planning and uh, your per- your personal and professional life and getting involved and lead the future. Some of our workshops that we have coming up. Hmm. So, now what are some practical ways that you're you're instilling this this virtue of leadership in, into MSU women? I mean, you know, you could say, oh, you know, we want to encourage leadership, but what what ways does it actually take form? Well, actually, um, one of the things is that this used to be just a planning committee for the conference, and now we turned it into the Women's Initiative for Leadership Development. So um, we take this group of about 25 women, and um, we ha- they run the conference. Um, oh, wow. They're the ones who put it all together. Um, we have the financial support of different departments and colleges throughout the campus. Um, but these are the women. It's not just an e-board. It's not just an advisor. It's um, each each individual in, individual person is taking their own um, lead on doing something. So, and then we continue that throughout the year, um, putting on different community events, putting on different um, just single workshops throughout the year for for women to um, and and men too. I mean, it's not just for women, sure. but um, our focus is on developing women leaders. So. So now, can you, I mean, what, uh, you mentioned you've got educational, you've got diversity. Um, why, why those specific topics versus others? What do you feel is important about those to, to have workshops about? Um, well, the educational, um, I mean, these, it's geared towards MSU students, and um, we want these students to, this is why they're here, to get a great education, mm-hmm. and um, to take advantage of that, all the opportunities that are available through getting this education at a great university and all the resources that are available through this university um diversity this um it's becoming a major issue and and people need to um be aware of it and be open to it and learn how to deal with it and learn how to accept it um now is this yeah absolutely (laughs) now is this is this racial diversity or sexual orientation or is it just everything all forms all All forms forms. yep it's very very good inclusive answer (laughs) exactly (laughs) So what is it you would hope that, that women, like the number one thing you would hope that women would get out of out of the uh, the leadership conference? Well, this year's theme is um, leadership, pass it on. So I think we want to inspire women that attend the conference to not only embrace leadership skills within themselves, but to be able to pass it on to younger generations, um, mm. which actually um, we haven't mentioned this yet, but we actually choose a community agency, um, which we highlight and all contributions we donate to this um, uh, organization. And this year we chose um, Girl Scouts of America. Oh, so excellent. we figure like that really falls under our theme really yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. So. Giving back to another great women's organization, the Girl Scouts. Exactly. <laughs> so you can so folks that that you know hear about this may be interested. So walk us through like what they can expect. All right. Um. Uh, a typical thing would be to go on the website and uh, register for this conference. Um, from there, um, they'll receive emails, and um, the conference is November 11th, and um, it's it starts off with a student keynote, um, they'll receive uh, a t-shirt, booklets, mm-hmm. n- numerous um, knowledge from community representatives, um, students, and then so from the keynote, the student keynote, which we're choosing, um, they'll get to attend these three workshops, and then after that is a, um, our keynote address and a banquet. Oh wow! So it's a full day of oh, uh, it's a full day of yes. workshops and speakers and yeah. great freebies, of course. Exactly. <laughs> Very cool. Now, of course, the website for this. Why don't you go ahead and put um, that up? The website is uh, www.wrc.msu.edu, uh-huh. or you can also go to the UAB website, which is uabevents.com. Oh, okay. And uh, this is held at uh, held where? at the Union. At the Union. Okay, yes. cool. So right on campus. You can't. Yep, can't right on campus. <laughs> Very cool. So you mentioned that the, the leadership uh, theme this year is leadership. Pass it on. Where did that come from? Um, the theme actually came from. We kind of thought of it as uh, as we were driving to one of our meetings during the summer and seeing those billboards um, that are up that have courage passed on in oh, different yeah, pictures. Oh, the Foundation for Better Life. Ones. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And so we just thought um, some of our past. Um, themes have been um, leadership is not a spectator sport um, so lead follower get out of the way is has been another one so sure. this one is kind of it's a little bit more passive but it's at the same time very um, very active and charged mm-hmm. sounds the, like yeah that sounds like that's conference. that's been the the big theme throughout all of these uh, you know titles for the different mm-hmm. conferences this very active role exactly um, so you know I'm just, I'm trying to place you know that it, someone that, that attends your 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 workshop uh your, your workshop excuse me your conference mm-hmm. uh you know 
looking to go out into the world after graduation and everything, what sort of skills are you hoping that they're going to pick up, you know, to, to transfer into politics or, or uh, the workplace or, or government or anything like that? Well, I mean, you can think about just, like, the basics. Oh, we can learn how women can handle being out in the workforce and all that stuff, but just, like, the little things, too. Like, just, you know, living day-to-day, things that you can do for yourself to help you become a leader, and then just little things like smiling, being happy, taking, like, little pieces of other people Hmm. and forming them around yourself and making yourself a better leader so that people can look to you as well. So just good advice, really. (laughs) Well, we're just uh, running uh, just about out of time, but uh, I want to go around real quick and, and just get one thing from each of you. What what would be the, the best tip that each one of you could give to uh, to MSU women today about how they can be more successful in a leadership role? Follow your own path. Follow your own path. Good one. What else? I'd say don't be afraid to run for political offices. Yeah. All right. Politics <laughs> angle. I like it. What about you? What do you got? Um, be empowered every day and feel like you can attack the day and change something. All very active uh, advice. I like that. Well, uh, everybody, I want to thank you all for for being here. Uh, Again, this is the uh, Women's Leadership Conference coming up on uh, November 11th. Uh, Great workshops, great seminars, great uh, goodies given away all day long. And, of course, more info on that available at wrc.msu.edu or the uh, uabevents.msu.edu. Of course, the the whole thing going down over at the MSU Union. Uh, Full day of events and a lot lot to look forward to. So, again, thanks, everybody, for for coming by. Thank you. Thank you very much. So this has been, of course, the Impact Exposure. In case you missed any of the show, we, uh, we of course, put up a podcast at the end of each week at impact89fm.org. And you just go ahead and click on the, uh, the, the podcast section. Exposure is right there with, uh, with all of our great past shows. Uh, speaking of great shows here at the Impact, we're going to switch things over to the Progressive Torch and Twang. Got a lot of great stuff lined up for you this hour as well as the next hour. Uh, this, of course, uh, Impact Exposure. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll catch you again next week. Thanks for listening to this evening's Exposure, only on 88.9 The Impact.